0: Hello and welcome to the AMA Update video and podcast, an ongoing series covering a range of healthcare topics affecting the lives of physicians and patients. Today, we have our weekly look at the headlines with AMA's Vice President of Science, Medicine, and Public Health, Andrea Garcia in Chicago. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer, also in Chicago. Uh, Good to see you again, Andrea.
1: It's good to be here, thank you.
0: Uh, Well, let's get right into uh, the Omicron uh, situation. We've had boosters available for those 12 years and older for a few weeks now. Uh, Now we have word on the availability of boosters for kids under 12. Uh, When should parents expect that?
1: Well, it's being reported that the CDC expects the updated bivalent COVID booster doses to be available for children five to 11 years old by mid-October. And this information is based on the CDC's fall vaccination operation planning guide, which was released last Tuesday. And that document indicates that if the vaccines are authorized by the FDA, then CDC anticipates a recommendation for bivalent COVID vaccines as a booster uh, for that pediatric age group uh, in early to Uh, mid-October. Just as a current reminder, Pfizer's vaccine uh, is currently available uh, for those uh, 12 and older. Modernas is available for those 18 and older under this new authorization, Pfizer's vaccine would become available for those uh, age five to 11 and Moderna's for those age six to 17 years. And of course the government has said it's ordered more than 170 million updated vaccine booster doses for the fall. And last week it had sent out over 25 million doses.
0: Well, it's interesting because there have been reports now of shortages of the Moderna booster vaccine. What's going on there and uh, when will that be resolved?
1: Yeah, so most of the 25 million doses that have been sent out have been the Pfizer booster. Um, And uh, according to some reports, uh, some pharmacies like CVS and Walgreens um, are reporting that the government supply of the Moderna updated booster remains limited, and that's causing appointments for the product to vary across the country. So both CVS and Walgreens have said they're working with the government to acquire more Moderna doses, The supply shortage of the Moderna boosters does stem from production issues at one of its plants. Uh, But in a statement last week, Moderna said it expects to resolve those supply issues for its new booster in the coming days, Um, and the company said it does plan to deliver 70 million doses of its bivalent booster by the end of the year. The Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response said last week that pharmacies will be receiving millions more doses of Moderna and that production is ramping up and the anticipate the supply will continue to increase in the coming weeks. I I think it's important to note that pharmacies have not seen any supply issues with the Pfizer vaccine booster. So anyone who wants an updated COVID booster should still be able to get one.
0: Thank you uh, for that information. Uh, In more vaccine news, The results are out from a follow-up study on adolescents and young adult patients who were diagnosed with myocarditis after receiving a COVID-19 vaccine. Andrea, what do we need to know there?
1: Well, a new CDC study found that approximately 80% of 393 patients diagnosed with myocarditis after receiving an mRNA COVID vaccine, such as Pfizer or Moderna, were considered recovered by healthcare professionals at least 90 days since the outside of myocarditis. The CDC collected this data through follow-up surveys from people aged 12 to 29, uh, for whom a report of myocarditis after the vaccine was reported to VAERS, which is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And those reports were between December of 2020 and November of 2021. The CDC is continuing to follow up on those patients who were not considered recovered since myocarditis symptom onset. Uh, They're hoping to understand some of those longer-term outcomes. Um, And just a reminder that this uh, this, uh, data shows that it's a rare risk for myocarditis and pericarditis after receiving the mRNA vaccines. Uh, These cases occurred most frequently in adolescent and young males within seven days of receiving an mRNA COVID vaccine and they were more common following the second dose. CDC, of course, continues to recommend vaccination for everyone six months and older, uh, determining that the benefits outweigh the risks. And it's also important to remember that myocarditis and pericarditis have been associated with recent COVID infections as well.
0: That's right. Well, let's uh, take a look at the numbers. Speaking of COVID, how are we looking this week?
1: according to the New York Times, cases and hospitalizations and test positivity have all fallen noticeably in recent weeks, and it's a promising sign that conditions are improving nationally. Uh, The daily average uh, of reported cases is just over 52,000. That's the lowest level since April. It's a decrease of 23% in the last two weeks. We have a few states that are seeing slight increases in cases in recent days, but they are really the exception reported cases are declining in most states and territories.
0: Well, little perplexing uh, numbers on the hospitalization and death side, Um, if I understand correctly, still a a persistently high number there uh, for deaths. Uh, Let's talk about what's going on uh, in that realm.
1: Yeah, so hospitalizations are falling nearly everywhere throughout the nation. The daily average number of those hospitalized COVID is about 30,000 which is a decrease of about 14% over the past two weeks. But as you alluded to, deaths remain stubbornly high. That daily average uh, is currently around 417 deaths. It's a 9% increase from two weeks ago. Um, And this, it's more than twice the number of daily deaths that are typically seen in a bad flu season, according to the New York Times. And I think it's all the more reason to get your COVID booster and your flu vaccine as soon as you can, and as a reminder, you can get both of those vaccines at the same
0: time. Uh, That is uh, incredibly good uh, advice, and we're gonna hear more from uh, AMA's liaison to the ACIP and our board chair, Dr. Sandra Freihofer, encouraging folks to get that flu vaccine as well. Medicine doesn't stand still, and at the AMA, neither do we. AMA members are physicians like you who are shaping the future of medicine. Become a member today and join the movement. Visit ama-assn.org movingmedicine. Moving into monkeypox, uh, what is our uh, situation there in regard to numbers?
1: The CDC is reporting just over 25,000 total confirmed cases since the U.S. outbreak began in May. Um, As we talked about last week, there has been one death uh, from monkeypox uh, confirmed in California. That's the first death in the U.S. due to monkeypox. Uh, New monkeypox cases in the U.S. have been steadily dropping in recent weeks, and that daily average of cases reported is under 200. I think with that being said, there was a briefing last week, and David Harvey, who's the uh, director of the National Coalition of STD Directors, said that while there is some hope with these cases leveling off, that should not be anyone's solace that this outbreak is done. Uh, health leaders uh, added up that briefing um, that for this hopeful trend to continue, we need continued work and continued investment, especially in reaching those underrepresented groups.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, challenges abound. And as we try to keep this outbreak and our COVID numbers under control, uh, the CDC recently updated its guidance on COVID 19 infection prevention and control in healthcare settings. What do we need to know there?
1: So the CDC published updates to their COVID IPC guidance for healthcare settings, and that came late last week. The new, new guidance indicates that these updates reflect the level of vaccine and infection-induced immunity, the availability of effective treatments and prevention tools for COVID, and they really streamline and consolidate the existing healthcare IPC guidance. Uh, some of the things included in, included in these updates are that vaccination status is no longer used to inform source control, screening testing, or post-exposure recommendations. And the circumstances for use of source control, which is also known as universal masking, were updated. The source control is now recommended for everyone in a healthcare setting when that SARS-CoV-2 community transmission level is high. We just note that that community transmission metric is different from the COVID-19 community level metric that we use in non-healthcare settings. Uh, So 70% of communities across the U.S. are still at a high Uh, community transmission level. The guidance provided updates on circumstances when universal use of PPE should be considered and in general uh, indicated that performance of pre-procedure or pre-admission testing for patients and screening testing for asymptomatic healthcare personnel without a known exposure is now at the discretion of the facility.
0: Well, there have been some updates too on managing healthcare personnel with infection and exposure. What do we need to know about those changes?
1: So some of the updates to the interim guidance for managing healthcare personnel with a SARS-CoV-2 infection or exposure include that in most circumstances, asymptomatic healthcare personnel with higher risk exposures do not require work restrictions if they don't develop symptoms or test positive for the virus. There's also updated recommendations for test frequency to detect potential variants with shorter incubation periods um, and to address the risk for false negative antigen tests in people without symptoms. So physicians can read these uh, updated guidance documents on the CDC website. I would just note that we've certainly heard some concerns from physicians about the timing of this guidance coming around a time when respiratory virus season is beginning um, and, noting that the impact this could have on patients most at risk in healthcare settings, including those in nursing homes, and of course, uh, thinking about the implications for healthcare staffing shortages. Uh, The guidance does note that individuals might choose to continue using source control based on their own personal preference.
0: We'll stay uh, updated on that as things developed. That's it for today's episode. Thank you, Andrea, for being with us today, and we'll be back soon. With another AMA update, you can find all our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us today, and please take care.